Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So when it comes to athletics domestically and internationally, our next guest is all over it. The Herald Sun, Scott Cullen, has covered the sport for a long, long time. And his news and opinion is all over today's Herald Sun. Scott, welcome. Thanks a lot for your time. Good morning, Prince. Great to have you on. I need to ask you, though, have Sports Integrity Australia completely botched this? Oh, I, yes, would be the short answer. I mean, the fact they're still uh, hanging on for grim death to try and nail Peter Bowl is the sad part. They, they've they gone hard early. They said, you know, they had, a, they had an irregularity in a test. They fronted up at his front door. They took his laptop, took his computer, which, as you know, with a lot of these drug busts, usually it's the the path, the data that gives the person away. They couldn't find anything, mm. and then the bees come back. Not a match, not a negative, like you've explained, but it's inconclusive. So clearly, to most people, that would mean this test shouldn't be counted. So Peter Bowl should be free to continue on. How did the and why did the A result reach the public domain? Well, this is the problem in Australia. As uh, Paul Green, who's Peter Bowles' lawyer, an American lawyer, it doesn't happen like this overseas. So what happens is the Federation gets notified that the athlete has to be provisionally suspended. Mm -hmm. And instead of waiting till the B sample is done, they feel the need, which Swimming Australia did it with Shana Jack, if you remember. She had to leave a swimming competition and had to go home, and they then released why. Rather than wait, like we said, it's two, three weeks potentially where you could easily come up with an excuse. Like Peter Bolt told his training group he had COVID and then he might have had a sore hamstring. That's why he's not training for a few weeks. There are ways to keep this quiet until you have absolute certainty. Whereas what we've seen is Peter Bolt's reputation completely trashed on a false narrative. Nothing happens quickly, does it, Scott? Like I know a lot of people are wondering, in, it's 2023, why is the gap between the A sample and the B sample still so long? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, this sample was done in October, and then Peter didn't know in January he was informed. So the problem is, that, I mean, it got sent to a laboratory overseas. They did further analysis in Australia. The EPO test is very subjective. So one scientist could look at a result and be completely different theory to another. That's why there's so many issues with EPO. And Peter, with what they knew, they still haven't got the lab results, but they were told there's a five-band strength when it comes to EPO testing. Obviously, five is very strong. Mm. His was barely on the one band. So there was already some doubt, yet they've gone hard on him. And you look at it and you go, well, why? I mean, they like to get big scalps. They're a government agency. They, have, they spend a lot of money. They've it helps them to get a big name, and that's what I fear happened here. They're like, oh, we can get one of Australia's best sports person because we've got a little bit of evidence here. Should we check it? Oh, no, we'll go hard, and then we'll worry about it later. Unfortunately, that's what they've done. And this is the – I mean, you use the word fear. This is the fear, isn't it, that regardless of what happens from here, and hopefully for Peter Bowles' case it's a positive outcome, that 
he'll there'll always be an element of mud that will will stick to him, or I guess a, a, that undercurrent of suspicion. Of course, and as we know, you know, hopefully in August at the World Champs, he wins a medal. But what would the second or through third paragraph be? Mm. Oh, you know, Bowl, who earlier this year mm. got over an EPO charge, but the EPO charge is always going to be in his bio. It's always going to be there, and. He's missed out on a lot. I mean, he was going to be Young Australian of the Year. He was booked to fly to Government House in Canberra two days before he got, uh, two days after he got uh, it got announced. So, imagine the sponsorship that flows from there. I mean, he's missing out on a lot of stuff now because of this. What has turned out to be your wrong assertion? And this sort of stuff does, I guess, uh, encourage the conspiracy theorists to come forward. And you had something of one in regards to, I guess, the leaking of information here from from the SIA. And it went, and in your mind, it could be anyway. We're all hypothesising. Uh, relate to that young Australian of the year announcement. Yeah, I think there was a feeling out there that Athletics Australia and Sport Integrity Australia were aware that the Young Australian of the Year was about to happen. They were concerned that, say, he won that award and then news of the drug scandal broke a couple of weeks later in that time frame, Mm. how embarrassing that would be. So that accelerated their thought, and they thought they were doing everything by the book and being transparent just to say that there is an issue with Peter Boll. But the problem is, when you say there is an issue, it's EPO and he's failed a test. That's all people hear. So... I think they were influenced by that Young Australian of the Year award, no doubt. So this atypical finding with the B sample, which is now going to get a, another opinion, of course, uh, with a member of WADA's you know, EPO working group, how, there's no timeline, they stress, but, I mean, this, this could drag on for, for how long, do you reckon, Scott? Yeah, well, they're, they're still saying they're going to have a hearing, which um, Bowles Camp doesn't believe will go ahead, but a hearing to discuss this matter. So they, they're claiming that could be in a month. So you'd think they'd have to have their next analysis by then. But Paul Green, the American lawyer, is adamant this is not going to go on any further Mm. and that, in a way, that statement yesterday was them sort of, I'm not being sore losers, but just sort of trying to say, oh, we're still doing something, but in reality, he thinks it'll go away because how many times can you analyse the same urine, the same test? I mean... It's already been done three or four times and hasn't come up a clear eight. And I know I read his quotes uh, in in the Herald Sun, Paul Green, really strong, his lawyer over there in the States, as you you mentioned. Uh, Clearly he's sizing up for some legal action here of some kind. I mean, do you think that's a a real possibility? Well, I think loss of earnings, as we discussed, has to be there and hardship, etc. I mean, there's a lot of legal costs that Peter has to involve, so... Certainly he comes from America where, as you know, you can litigate against anything. So that's his mindset. We're not as keen over here, but I think he's certainly angling towards why was this athlete's reputation tarnished for no reason, which basically is what the narrative will be by the end of it. Yeah. So let's boil down to the nitty gritty of it, Scott, then. And we get a lot of texts here at SEN, as you know, and... Some believing, I think we all want to believe, but I guess we're scarred from, from you know, athletes in all manner of sports who have disappointed us and let us down in years gone by, but we desperately want to believe each and every time. How would you summarise the mood out there from the athletics community, um, the sport-loving community around the believability percentage of, of this case? And it, how would you sum it up? I think uh, Peter Bowl, like a lot of the elite athletes, has had, I'd say up to 70 tests over the last three years. There's been one that showed, this one that showed a red flag, and there was one other where 
there was an issue with mm. his his EPO levels, like you mentioned earlier, where and they are going to test him to see naturally if he produces more than normal because it's all about volume of EPO in your body. So I would suggest there's the the athletes they feel an anger towards the system because you know one of their highest profile mates has gone through it, gone through the ringer and come out the other side, hopefully negative like we think. So the athletes are wary. The public, you can't help it. It's going to be mentioned, like I said before. But I think enough people in Australia will see, hang on, he's tested hundreds of times. This is the only time something's come up and there's no evidence that it's actually true. I know, but as we've seen, athletes can pass tests forever, you know, and Lance Armstrong passed them forever and ever. I'm I'm certainly not drawing comparisons between the two, but, um, you know, the the complexity in testing, it's a a race between the drug takers and the drug testers that the takers are always going to be in front on. And EPO, as we've mentioned, is so open to subjectivity. It's um, that sadly, that's an alibi I don't think people really buy anymore. No, I agree with that. And, you know, mostly EPO's injections only. So that's why it's such a... Microdose and the like, yeah. Yeah. The fact that testing isn't 100% is a worry. I mean, and you rely on one scientist via another. So, yeah, look, I think there's always going to be... I mean, track and field has a history like cycling. It's pretty hard when you get into this area. There's a lot of cases where people have cheated. So you're pushing it up hill a little bit but I think Peter Bowles history of testing and I know what you said people can pass tests but I just think he's uh, mm. he's been crucified in this occasion. No, and I, I agree with you there. I think the process has just gone horribly wrong and uh, needs to be properly examined, if not overhauled uh, after this. Uh, Scotty, really appreciate you jumping on, mate, at, uh, at, at short notice too, it must be said, and uh, we'll follow your, your stories and your analysis with interest in the Herald Sun. Pleasure, Sam. Thank you for your time. A great Scotty Gallen there joining us on the line. We want to believe. Do you believe? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The 40 Wings temper, 0433981116. Caelan Bradkey's now Richmond player, the forward out of Corowit Rutherglen in the Ovens and Murray. Well, he pipped former cat Quentin Narkle to the final spot on the Tigers list as a rookie yesterday. And it's been a sharp rise in many ways for the athletic forward who's been training at Punt Road since November. And this is obviously a huge stepping stone in his journey. And it's a great pleasure to welcome him to our airwaves. Caelan Brakey, welcome to SEN. Hey, thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you told your mum yesterday it didn't feel real. Does it feel real yet on this uh, Wednesday morning? Yeah, it's sunken in a little bit. still is a bit surreal. Um, can't, can't really believe it happened, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity. How um, were how were you told yesterday? How were you uh, informed that you, in fact, had got this opportunity, Kalen? Um So I went in for a meeting at about quarter past two in the afternoon, and then like I knew I had it, and I was a bit nervous going into it, and then went to a room with the coaches, um, and then Blair and Matt were in there as well, um, and it started off. Um, with like the old, now look this time of year, there's only one bloke that can be picked and whatever else. And I was like, oh no, it hasn't gone my way. And I was a bit bit flat about it. And then Dimmer turned it around and said, well, luckily enough, you've got it. Um, and I was kind of just sat there in, in shock. So I was going to ask you what your reaction was. You must have been like a tornado inside. Did you did you let much out in in that particular moment? No, I look like a stunned mullet. I just sat there and I was like, oh, no, I don't have a spot. And then... <laughs> I love it. I and, 
Yeah, and obviously you were aware, as they touched on there in the in the in the meeting, that it was a shootout, wasn't it? Uh, basically, since November, with yourself and and Quinton, there had to be a winner and a loser, so to speak. I mean, were you conscious of the fact in the moment as the weeks and months rolled on that it was going to be one of the two of you? Um, yeah, well, there was another bloke there, Luke Teal, as well, um, up until Christmas, and like even he was doing a great job, and it was really hard to like get a gauge on where you sat, really. Um, it was pretty, pretty hectic, but um, yeah, it was good. Your your determination, Kalen. I mean, can you let us in a little bit on that? Because you're obviously not going to die wondering. I mean, you must have known this was this was a huge make or break moment. Your level of determination to at least, you know, not die wondering and leave no stone unturned. Yeah, kind of just the fact that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and um, something that I'd probably never get again. Um, I kind of just thought, you know what, like I'll just go as hard as I can, help for leather for however long I'm there for and hopefully make a good impression and that's enough to kind of swing it my way um, and evidently, luckily enough, it did go my way. So, yeah, it was just kind of head down, bum up and see where it gets me. Is it is it true that you were at the club on Christmas Day? No, <laughs> that's not true. I saw that written somewhere. I was at home with mum. Oh, not at home with mum and dad, but I was, had Chrissy at home with the family. Got back and saw everyone there, so no, I wasn't there Christmas day. I thought, crikey, that's dedication. All right, what about what, <laughs> yeah, what about <laughs> what about New Year's Day? Can we claim that one? No, no, I wasn't there New Year's Day. Oh, you're actually not that dedicated, Carl. I take it back. No, no. I'm, only, I'm only joking, mate. Um, <laughs> what uh, what sort of player are you? I mean, I mentioned your height um, and the fact that you obviously. Uh, arriving at Richmond, you play predominantly forward. Let us in on your strengths as a player and what you feel you offer. Um, I feel like, like I've got good aerial power um, <clears throat> and I'm good below below my hips and and like agile and versatile for how tall I am and everything like that. So I feel like I can bring a bit of dynamic power. Um, but yeah, I mainly yeah just like to hit up at, hit up at the footy and just hold space and just, you know, try and pack the scoreboard and bring others into the game. Um, so, yeah, it's not yeah. really it doesn't always have to be about kicking goals. It can just be getting the other forwards involved as well, which uh, I like doing. Yeah, absolutely. But just while we're on the subject of goals, um, there was a pretty headline-grabbing season you had in the Ovens and Murray last year. So 39 goals, 17 games, and it obviously – Got yourself onto Sydney's VFL list in a couple of games there. So your path to the here and now, I mean, let's go back a little bit. We're, I mentioned Coral Rutherglen. Where is home for you, uh, Kalen? Yeah, no, home's Coral Rutherglen. I grew up junior there. Um, started in, I think I was 11, playing under-13s with my uncle. Um, and we won the premiership that year. But, um, yeah, I don't know, kind of, I wasn't really that interested in footy growing up. I was always cricket. Um, and then never was a part of like the bushies or anything down there um, in my 17 and 18 year old years and then um, obviously COVID happened and whatever and then Germo came to the club and kind of changed everything around for me personally um, and kind of just made me put my head down and work hard and see where I got and that kind of landed me a uh, gig at Sydney in the VFL. And then from there, um, I think people must have seen it or 
watch the games or whatever else and then um, lucky enough to get an invite to the um, state draft combine, state combine um, and then from there Richmond called and um, for the SSP period and then yeah I'm here now I guess yeah so as it's been a, interesting ride. it has been so as a 16 17 and 18 year old you, you would say you were never really on, on the radar of, of sort of those elite programs no no I wasn't um yeah okay I tried um when I was 17 for bushies but didn't get picked and then my top age year, I didn't get asked to trial so bit of an unconventional path but it all ended up okay so so you moved down to the Big Smoke in November to roll your sleeves up a punt road. What was the living arrangements down here then, uh, Kayla? Who did you set yourself up with and how did you make it all work? Um, I was pretty lucky, the fact that um, Jed Longmire is down here um, and a couple, and Jesse Maloney, um, which are a couple of my mates from home, <clears throat> and they just had a house with a spare room in it pretty much. So it just fell into place, which was really nice. And and walking um, in and walking into an AFL club, mate. I mean, what was it like? I mean, you're training with obviously Jack Rewalt, one of the greats of the game, Tom Lynch. I mean, what an experience! Yeah, hundred percent. It was like it was intimidating. Um, but that being said, the, like the culture of Richmond um, is so good. Like, there's no egos or anything. Like, everyone's welcoming and want to get to know you and like want to help you become better as a footballer so it was kind of easy to walk in there and feel comfortable kind of within your first couple couple weeks of it um so yeah they've been awesome with how welcoming they've been and and did they with the match sim and the scrimmage sort of stuff Carl, did they just ease you in you know up against someone like a noah bolter or a or a grimes or how did how did you go about it no it's just uh i think it was kind of just like a little like a First started off in like a fifteen a twenty minute quarter and then two fifteen minute quarters and then kind of it's worked up from there. But um no, I haven't uh Bolter was on me uh in the last one I think. But apart from that it's been like Biggie, Tom Brown and all those boys. So it's been good just, you know, talk to them while you're playing as well to yeah. learn the structures and everything out there. But yeah, it's been awesome. Who did you barrack for growing up and who do the family support? It's a bit of a mix. Dad goes for St Kilda. Uncles go for North Melbourne. Um, so I kind of follow North Melbourne. Um, but I also liked watching Hawthorne as a kid growing up. So <laughs> I'd probably say probably say North Melbourne. So they've all been put in the bin then. The family have all discarded their North Melbourne and St Kilda memberships, have they not? <laughs> yeah, no, they have. They're, they've thrown them away. Right, right. Good to hear. Good to hear. Have you got a nickname yet down there at Punt Road? No, I haven't actually. Right. Okay. We'll Pretty to... hard to come up with a nickname with my name. <laughs> well, maybe you got a you got a, a surname that's well known in the in the basketball sphere. So I'm sure they could work and the tennis sphere as well. So I'm sure there's something we we can work out. Yeah. So yeah, something will come sooner. Where to from here, Kalen? As we let you go, I mean, what are, what are your hopes? I mean, you, we've all got our hopes and dreams, of course. Regardless of how, once you join the list, you join the list. I mean, you're there with everyone else. What, what do you What do yeah. you want to get out of the the year and the, and the first few months down there as the season gets underway? Um, just to continually improve every like, day and day out um, and get better, um, and then hopefully that leads to more opportunities, um, whether that be playing a senior game or you know, just playing good, consistent footy and playing my role for Richmond. Um, 
But, um, yeah, just want to get better um, and improve. And hopefully that leads to more opportunities. Yeah, well, this is what we love about the SSP is that the opportunity it provides. So well done to you, uh, Kaylin, on uh, your elevation to Richmond's list yesterday. And no doubt about it, you are in a very good set up there. So we wish you the best of luck for, uh, for this season and obviously whatever comes next. And appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the call. There's Kalen Bradke there, uh, newly appointed Richmond rookie out uh, of Corowa. Um, what a delightful young man he is. A fair bit of country about him, and uh, he's going to give it all a crack uh, at AFL level. So how can you not uh, warm to a story like that? Uh, off the text from Dom, actually, Bradke did a couple of impressive things for the Swans VFL at Arden Street late last year against North Melbourne in the VFL, which raised some eyebrows, clearly raised Richmond's eyebrows. Uh, did you say 39 goals in 17 games? It's okay, but it's not great. It's a pretty strong league that he's playing in up there, and um, as he mentioned, not necessarily a pure spearhead in the goal sense, brings other um, teammates into the game. And um, as we've learned anything from watching Richmond and Richmond in recent times, that ability to bring other teammates into the game and um, those one percenters in the forward half are certainly key to their setup. Uh, so we wish him well. I reckon it's high time we talk some footy, don't we, as this AFL season roars up upon us and we're right into the pointy end of the preparation now. And this man has been right at the coalface, right over summer, I called him the goat of track watchers uh, earlier. That sells him, uh, sells him massively short, but he's going to bring us a lot more than that because right across it all for the AFL.com.au, of course. Josh Gablich is with us. G'day, Joshy. Hello, Sam. Good to be with you. I hope that body clock is starting to get back to some <laughs> form of normality, mate. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Your body clock just has your trekking here, there and everywhere, though. Now, where do we find you at the moment? I'm just out of Skinner Reserve. The Bulldogs are training out here across the pre-season. I reckon they'll start... The year here. I don't know if you've seen the Witten Oval recently, yeah. but it's still a fair way away. They hope to get it back by round one, but I reckon it's probably the first month of the season that they'll spend out here. But I've been out here, pretty light session, but still a bit to see. Indeed there is. Now, Tim English isn't there, is he? Uh, he's got another, I want to say another hammy, Josh. He's had a few over the journey, but uh, they say this one's a minor one, don't they? Well, Sammy is actually out there. Right. The good news is that he had a bit of a scare on Monday, left the track, went and had scans. Those scans cleared him of any concern, so he actually ran today, did some light kicking. There's a chance he'll even play match him on Friday. The, the hope is that he'll definitely play in the intra-club next weekend. So he's just had a few niggles across the past few weeks. Missed training at the camp with the main group with an adductor. So just a couple of things that have taken the gloss off what has been a, a really good pre-season. But nothing to be too concerned right now just in terms of round one. Now, he's spotting the best 22s, undoubted. But as you look at the dog's team on paper after a pretty active off-season and, and they really targeted some some needs-based players, if you like, Josh. He's a, a feature in this, um, I guess, key position player selection squeeze when you know they've brought Lobb in, they've brought Jones in, English is there, but then Darcy's coming on as well, Norton's there, Eugle Hagen, it goes on and on, Alex Keith down back as well. The, the fight for spots uh, among the tall timber down there is going to be white hot. Well, this has been the talking point across the summer, Sam, and it's going to ramp up, I reckon, between now and round one because we're still not exactly sure what it's going to look like. I think right now the forward line is pretty settled. They're looking at Aaron Norton, Rory Lobb, and Jamara Eugle-Hagen as a, as a trio to start with. They've, they've put a lot of work into them across the match sim block and across training during the pre-season. But down back, still a little bit unclear. I think Liam Jones and Ryan Gardner are in the box seat with Sam Darcy, but Sam Darcy still remains a little bit unclear what Luke Beveridge is going to do with him to start the year. I think mm-hmm. he will spend most of the year as the key defender, but he swung him forward last Friday and he kicked two goals in the last 20 minutes. So 
Time will tell. I mean, Alex Keith is the other one. He fell out of favour a little bit last year. But he's going to work over the pre-season. He knows his spot. He's no longer secure. And, and he started in the in the B team last Friday and they moved him to the A team and he performed really strongly. And Josh Bruce is the other one who's also in the mix. We've heard from him across the pre-season. Yeah. I mean, he, yes, for a long time, it was all about the midfield depth. But suddenly, at either end of the ground, they've got so much depth. Indeed they do. Adam Trelaw, I know he's had a bit of a slower start to his preparation, I suppose, Josh. He had that uh, off-season ankle surgery. Have you seen much of him today? Didn't see him today, but a lot of the a lot of the senior players have a light days on Wednesday. So Josh Bruce didn't train. Tom Libertore didn't train. Taylor Dre didn't train. It's not uncommon. Mm. The most, most veterans across the comp don't train on Wednesdays during the pre-season. But the good news with Adam Trelaw is, is he played half the Central Club last week. He's back in with the main group now. I mean, this is the one that hasn't gone away across the pre-season. He had ankle surgery back in September. Just took a lot longer than expected to get back. But the plan is for him to play in that practice match at the start of March and be good to go by round one. So he's come along in the last month in a great way. And just in that front 50, I mean, you mentioned uh, Eugle Hagen, Lobb and Aaron Norton as, I guess, the the uh, the, the triple-headed setup for the, when it comes to the big men. What about Cody Waitman, though, who, who made a real impact early in his career as that, um, as that I guess, energizer bunny, small mid-forward sort of role? Is he is he shaping up to play the same role again? I think we'll see him play a lot more midfield this year. I think we'll see him pinch hit. That's what he's done in the match gym across the past month and done it really well. I, I think they're looking to get more speed in there. I mean, Jack McRae has actually spent a bit of time across half-forward. They're looking for more speed and and Cody Waitman provides that. I think a lot of clubs looked at what Tom Papley did in the second half of last season at Sydney, the way he came in for five, six, seven minutes and, and sort of played really well around around stoppage. So I think Cody Waitman might do that. They looked at Caleb Daniel also in that role, but I think they might settle him back down back. That's where he went on Friday. But Cody Waitman, he looks like someone who might play a lot more around the ball. Arthur Jones is a high pick that didn't play last year. He's in the mix around round one. So they might have a luxury there and, and to use Cody Whiteman a bit more through the middle. We're speaking to uh, afl.com.au's Josh Gablich. Josh, just before we get to the SSP signings today and yesterday and really looking forward to doing that, I know you're across uh, matters at Collingwood. There's a lot of hype around, you know, McStay and Mitchell as the uh, acquisitions over the trade period. But Billy Frampton and Bobby Hill have impressed as well. They just haven't been spoken about as much. Well, if we think back to October, it was all about Mitchell and it was all about McStay. And I don't reckon Frampton or Hill spoke to the media back then. I think that was a little bit by design, but I don't know if the requests were there speaking of the pies, but I've watched them closely across December and January and, and every time you go, you're just, you're just quite impressed by those two. And speaking to Collingwood people in the last few weeks and watching them in match team, I mean, they've both been picked in the first choice team. It's not everything, but we get to Feb 15 and they're definitely right in the hunt, which I don't think if we went back to October, I don't reckon many people would have had those two in your, in your mm. first choice team for round one, especially Billy Frampton. I mean, the guy has played 24 games across eight seasons. Just the six last year at Adelaide. And Adelaide were in the market for a key defender. Yet he could slide in there alongside Darcy Moore and Jeremy Howe in round one. It's fascinating. I mean, Nathan Murphy, he spoke yesterday, but if we look back to last year, he was a sensation. Played the last 16 games, but it's him or Frampton heading into round one. So that's one to keep an eye on across these next two practice matches. Now, when it comes to the SSP and the final spots on a number of these clubs' lists, I was fascinated since November about how things were going to be looking at Richmond. And then post-Christmas, it became a two-horse race between the untried kid from the bush in Caden Bradkey, very different players, um, you know, physically and what, what they've achieved in the game as well. And then Quentin Narkel, the former cat, who had just transformed um, his physical appearance, um, he'd leaned right up, he'd worked really hard, he, he poured everything into it. In the end, 
They went with the key position kid, Josh. Well, this is a real tough one. I mean, they deliberated over this for some time because you're right, they're, they're two very different players. I mean, the reality is their midfield is stacked. They don't need Quinton Narkel, but they had trialled him as a halfback across the last month and he'd impressed there. I watched him play in the intra-club on Saturday. He was really impressive. And the difference between December and January in terms of his body shape was incredible. He dropped eight kilos. He'd, the penny had dropped. He knew that the way he turned up in December wasn't, ideal, wasn't going to get him an AFL lifeline. So he couldn't have done much more. They were really disappointed to have to go with, with Bradkey in the end. But on the flip side, they're thrilled for Bradkey because Bradkey had done a mountain of work across these last couple of months and, and really made the most of the opportunity. I heard you speak about him before. It's an incredible story to think that this guy was playing in the Ovens and Murray Football mm. League last year. And now there's, there's, there are two of them. Joe Richards at Collingwood, who was drafted in November, two of them on an AFL list. But Bradkey could have done much more. I mean, but he was spotted in the club on Christmas Day, on New Year's Day. Just little things like that that just sort of stuck out. He really wanted to have a, a big crack at this. And obviously with Tom Lynch not training at the moment, he's going to be okay for round one. But it was just a reminder, if, if he goes down at times this year, they are a little bit light on for, for depth. Obviously, Jack Rewalt is there as well. But it's probably, it fits a, a bigger need. But it is a real shame for Quinton Narkle. We wait and see what he does next. Richmond would like to have him with their VFL program, mm. but there are a number of clubs in WA that are trying to get him back to the waffle. Yeah, so would, I was going to ask you about him because a lot of people have done off the text this morning. I mean, he's going to be, from an AFL perspective now, Josh, you'd say he's going to be left without a chair when the music stops and there's just no time and he hasn't trained on anywhere else, of course. I mean, there'd be no one else that would just have a have a stab in the dark with him? Before yesterday, Sam, I was really surprised to find out that there weren't other clubs that were looking at him, mm. even after the, the, the January block that he put through because a lot of clubs still keep an eye on these SSP mm. Players, and, uh, Brody McLaughlin at the Gold Coast, there are a number of clubs looking at him if Gold Coast released him. But no, I don't think, I'd be shocked if something happened and he landed today. But he, he, he looms as a mid-season pick. So I think where he picks his next club will be really interesting. If he sticks with Richmond, they, they might take him mid-season and reward the effort. They've done it before. We've seen them have some success with the mid-season and the SSP. So I'll be interested to see where he goes. I think he, he might return to WA, but he was really keen to stay in though, and that's why the Richmond opportunity appealed to him. I was to stay in Victoria. So yep. we'll wait and see, but there'll be a number of clubs on the phone to him today. Kai Turner was part of the Sandringham Dragons program back in the day. He played a couple of uh, VFL games uh, in recent times for Frankston. Obviously, was a VAFA star in the season just gone, and he's just won the spot on Melbourne's list, which is great news for him. This is another great story, Sam. And this is why the SSP is so good. I mean, last year, this time last year, he was appearing to play B-grade amateurs for Old Halebury. He'd never really played as a key defender before. Daniel Ward, an, an old Melbourne player, had moved him there. And by mid-season, Tim Lamb, Jason Taylor, they started to have a bit of a look at him. It's it's quite incredible to think that it wasn't it, where he was this time last year. So, uh, again, this is a, a bit similar to, to the Richmond situation. They probably don't need Kai Turner. They've got five other key defenders ahead of him with May and Lever and Tomlinson, Petty, Daniel Turner... But his pre-season has been really, really strong. So they've gone with him, him instead of Trent Burgoyne. It's, it's a great story, and that's why the SSP is so good. Tell us about Anthony Caminiti. Now, I know it happened a couple of days ago, but you were there. You saw the performance he put in, and I think only his second session in that match practice, and David King was there as well. Now, from everything we've heard since then, the contract was literally waiting for him as he came off the track. But... He didn't even know what he was signing. I think they, they played a bit of a joke on him and made it sound like it was some sort of a waiver. And then, lo and behold, he's walked into another room to say, uh, to be told, welcome to the Saints. You're spot on. I love the way they've done that. I mean, he signed the contract 
without really knowing. He, he thought it was a waiver. They just didn't want to spoil his manager. Just didn't want to spoil the moment for him. But this is another one. I mean, his second session, it, it's quite remarkable. And I was sitting there with David King, and we spoke on Saturday about we've seen a lot of match him across the last month. I don't think we've seen a draft D have such a big impact. I mm. mean, it, he was trialling for a spot, but it was incredible to see a, a guy that had been there for one other session play the way he did. So you, you couldn't completely rule him out of playing. I, I, don't, I, I don't think you put a ceiling on him right now just in terms of round one because they don't have key forwards. They've lost Max King. They've lost Jack Hayes. Matt mm. Allison isn't there. If we think back last year, Jack Hayes came in and played round one after being recruited by the same rules. So couldn't completely rule him out. I mean, he's a fair way off in terms of his conditioning. I was at the club on, on Friday and I saw some of the senior players later on and they told me that he'd actually had a full body cramp after coming off the track and they'd had a good laugh about that. But he had the last laugh by the end of the day when he signed that contract. But another great story out of the SSP. Just as we let you go, what else is happening around the place? I think Geelong have got a, a vacancy, a, a spot available, but they haven't had anyone train on. Obviously, Cal Brown's trying to impress and is probably still in play at Hawthorne. And then we've got Carlton who might make another addition as well, Josh. Just as we let you go, what's everything else looking like? Well, Carlton have been looking at Alex Sincotta. They had that extra spot with Sam Phil being moved to the inactive mm. list. Uh, the one is, is Cal Brown. I mean, I think it's less likely than likely at this stage. They've been really open with him. He's trained across the preseason. He just became officially part of their program last week and it allowed him to do weights and sit in on meetings for the final week. And he's going to play in that intra-club tonight. So it's interesting that it's on deadline day. If he has a really big game, who knows? <laughs> I, I think the, the beauty with, with Box Hill and their alignment with Hawthorne is he'll spend a lot of time around the program anyway and they will look at him mid-season if they don't sign him tonight, but he's been really impressive. I've seen him playing in some match him, so hopefully, like his brother, he gets another opportunity before the window closes. Jack Cleaver's the other one at Essendon to keep an eye on, so there, there are a couple more, but they're all sort of mm. being settled now. It's obviously come forward about a month compared to what it was last year. Josh, you've been super generous with your time, mate. We really appreciate it. Uh, a lot of people with a, with a lot of interest at this time of the year in uh, the additions that their clubs are making across the competition. So thanks very much for finding the time for us, mate. We'll, we'll let you go. Have a good day. No drama, Sam. You too. There's Josh Gablich there from afl.com.au. He's done a fine job, uh, does a fine job right throughout the season, but particularly over the summer months as well.